Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, and welcome back. This will be for Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. So we're still on Tuesday. This is probably Tuesday afternoon, and it's the conclusion of the Olivet Discourse on the Mount of Olives to his apostles. Alrighty, parable of the ten virgins, uh, verse 1. And then at that day, before the Son of Man comes, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins. According to Jewish authorities, it was the custom of the East to carry in a bridal procession about ten such lamps. In Palestine, ten was the number required to be present at any office or ceremony, such as at the benedictions accompanying the marriage ceremonies. That was by Elder McConkie who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom, and five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Surely this parable is not intended to divide half the saints into one group and half into another, but it does teach pointedly that there are foolish saints who shall fail to gain the promised rewards. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Olive oil was used anciently for culinary, cosmetic, funerary, medicinal, and ritual purposes. Its most important use, though, was to provide light. It provides the clearest, brightest, and steadiest flame of all the vegetable oils. And that was by verse by verse by Skinner and Ogden. Verse 4, But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight... and and at midnight uh, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And then at midnight, while the world sleeps, a most unlikely hour for a bridegroom to come and claim his bride, behold, he cometh, and his reward is with him. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 7, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. The common household oil lamps of 2,000 years ago had enough capacity for an evening's light. It was small enough to be cradled in the palm of the hand and was about an inch or slightly more in height. It had a hole in the middle of the top for oil. The oil lamp also had an elongated spout-like extension where the cotton string wick protruded. Extending the wick provided a brighter flame while consuming the oil faster. The trimming trimming the lamp meant extending the wick just enough to keep a flickering flame and using a minimal amount of oil. When more light was needed, a pin could be used to pull the wick out of a, a little further, thereby increasing the light. In the parable of the ten virgins, they were invited to light the way of the bridegroom. The foolish virgins may have used up too much light on themselves early in the evening and were left unprepared for the master when he arrived. If they had been dedicated to serving him, they would not have wasted their oil. Verse 8, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. The five foolish virgins thought that their meager supply of oil was sufficient when they went out to meet the bridegroom, but found they were not prepared for a longer usage of their oil. But the wise answered, saying, Lest there be not enough for us and you, go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they, were, and they that were ready went in with him, to the marriage and the door was shut or locked. Notice that the store is open at midnight. I think that's interesting. Verse 11, Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, ye knew me not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. 
Though all ten have every intention of meeting the Lord, only those who have thoroughly prepared their vessels to take up their, their light and let it shine once the bridegroom arrives will be allowed to join him on the path that leads to the sacramental altar of the wedding feast. The theme of being watchful was taken up in Matthew 24 that we talked about um, last episode. President Kimball said, I believe that the ten virgins represent the people of the church of Jesus Christ and not the rank and file of the world. All of the virgins, wise and foolish, had accepted the invitation to the wedding supper. They had knowledge of the program and had been warned of the important day to come. They were not the Gentiles or the heathens or the pagans, nor were they necessarily corrupt and reprobate, but they were knowing people who were foolishly unprepared for the vital happenings that were to affect their eternal lives. They had the saying, exalting gospel. They had the saving, exalting gospel, but it had not made them... It had, not, it had not been made the center of their lives. They knew the way, but gave only a small measure of loyalty and devotion. I ask you, what value is a car without an engine, a cup without water, a table without food, a lamp without oil? Rushing for their lamps to light their way through the blackness, half of them found them empty. They had cheated themselves. They were fools, these five unprepared virgins. Apparently, the bridegroom had tarried for reasons that were sufficient and good, Time had passed and he had not come. They had heard of his coming for so long, so many times, that the statement seemingly became meaningless to them. Would he ever come? So long had it been since they began expecting him that they were rationalizing that he could never appear. Perhaps it was a myth. Hundreds of thousands of us today are in this position. Confidence has been dulled and patience worn thin. It is so hard to wait and be prepared always, but we cannot allow ourselves to slumber. The Lord has given us this parable as a special warning. In the parable, oil can be purchased at the market. In our lives, the oil of preparedness is accumulated drop by drop in righteous living. Attendance at sacrament meeting adds oil to our lamps, drop by drop over the years. Fasting, family prayer, home teaching, now uh, ministering, control of bodily appetites, preaching the gospel, studying the scriptures, each act of dedication and obedience is a drop added to our store. Deeds of kindness, payment of offerings and tithes, chaste thoughts and actions, marriage in the covenant for eternity, these too contribute importantly to the oil with which we can at midnight refuel our exhausted lamps. And again, all that was by Bruce Arm- or by uh, Spencer W. Kimball. Section 45 of the Doctrine and Covenant says, And at that day when I shall come in my glory shall the parable be fulfilled which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived, verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. The next parable is still in the context of being prepared. This is his last recorded parable. Jesus dramatized the truth that to gain salvation, men must keep the commandments and be guided by the Holy Spirit. Thus, obedience is essential to salvation. By, not giving the, by, by now giving the parable of the talents, he completes the picture. Not only must mortals keep the commandments to gain an inheritance in the Father's kingdom, but they must also get outside themselves in service to their fellow men. Both obedience and service are essential to salvation. Verse 14, Now I, now I will liken these things unto a parable, For it is like a man traveling in a far country. Jesus is soon to ascend to his Father, there to dwell until the second coming, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. The talents were a divine gift. All men and the servants of the Lord in particular acquired in preexistence by obedience to law the specific talents and capacities with which they are endowed in this life. Men are not born equal. They come into mortality endowed with the abilities earned and developed in a long period of premortal schooling. And a just and equitable being who deals fairly and impartially with all his children expects each of them to use the talents and abilities with which they are endowed and the gifts that are given them by a divine providence. 
Verse 15, And unto one he gave five talents. A talent was a monetary weight, a sum with financial value, 75 pounds or 34 kilograms of silver. The concept of a talent as an ability, an aptitude, skill, or strength came later. In a symbolic sense, though, both definitions could be applied to the message of this parable. And that was by Skinner and Ogden again. To another two and to another one, to every man according to his several ability and straightway went on his journey. James E. Faust said, if these talents are used to build the kingdom of God and serve others, they will, they will fully enjoy the promises of the Savior. The great promise of the Savior is that they shall receive their reward, even peace in this world and eternal life in the world to come. 16. Then he that received, had received the five talents went and traded with the same and gained other five talents. And likewise, he who received two talents, he also gained other two. But he who had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned, in other words, settled the accounts with them. And so he that received the five talents came and brought other five, saying, or other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more talents. And likewise, he who received two talents, he also gained other two. But he who had received one went and digged in the earth and hid the Lord's money. Oh, I think I read that, didn't I? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, and so he who received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord... Uh, Thou deliverest, I did read that, okay, sorry. Verse 21, his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Men are called to, to rule a deacon's quorum, an auxiliary organization, a Sunday school class, a ward or a stake, and whatever, all to gain experience for future eternal administration. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents, or two talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an, an hard man, or strict, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not scattered. And I was afraid, and went and hid, my, hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, here is thy talent. Take it from me, as thou hast from thine own serv other servants, for it is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, O wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have, where I have not scattered. Having known this, therefore, thou oughtest to have put my money to the exchangers, and at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. I will take, therefore, the talent from you, and give it to, unto him who hath, who hath ten talents." We know that everybody receives a gift also, and section uh, 46 talks about gifts of the Spirit that we receive. Verse 29, And unto everyone who hath obtained other talents shall be given, and he shall have in abundance from him, but from him that hath not obtained other talents shall be taken even that which he hath received. And his Lord shall say unto his servants, Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Lord is trying to tell us to be prepared for his coming. The secrets of preparedness are stay alert, watch and pray always, be not deceived, exert effort to do good and righteousness with whatever gifts the Lord has given you. Do not idle away your short time on earth for the day of reckoning will arrive. If you have not improved your time while on earth, your just reward will be as the slothful servant who hid away his life in fear or in idleness. Men not infrequently forget that they are dependent upon heaven for every blessing which they are permitted to enjoy, and that for every opportunity granted them they are to give an account. You know the brethren that when the master 
You know, brethren, that when the master in the Savior's parable of the stewards called his servants before him, he gave them several talents to improve on while he should tarry abroad for a little season. And when he returned, he called for an accounting. So it is now. Our master is absent only for a little season, and at the end of it he will call each to render an account. And where the five talents were bestowed, ten will be required. And he that has made no improvement will be cast out as an unprofitable servant, while the faithful will enjoy everlasting honors. And that was by Joseph Smith. Jesus will judge the world. Verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory, and behold, him shall be gathered, before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate one from another, as a shepherd divides sheep from the goats, the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Joseph Ealing Smith said, Showing favor to the right hand or side is not something invented by man, but was revealed from the heavens in the beginning. There are numerous passages in the scriptures referring to the right hand, indicating that it is a symbol of righteousness and was used in the making of covenants. Verse 34, And he shall sit upon his throne and the twelve apostles with him. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or and in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Everything we do for the benefit of our companion and for our family, for example, is helping build the kingdom of God and our own eternal kingdom. Everything we do to help and lift others of the Father's children is promoting the Father's plan and purpose. Beginning to pass, bringing to pass the immortality and eternal life of others becomes our plan and purpose too. Again, that was by that was in verse by verse. Verse 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, in, in Greek it's who have come under a curse, un, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee an hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye did it not, not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the brightness into, but the righteous into life eternal. Remember also King Benjamin said that when ye are in the service of your fellow beings, ye are in the service of your God. The Lord closes his sermon regarding the coming kingdom of heaven with one final parable. It is as though the three parables of this chapter are representative of the stages of testing that we must go through to be admitted into the presence of the Lord. First is the test of being prepared to receive the bridegroom with lamps trimmed and ready when he comes. Next, if we are found worthy to partake of the wedding feast, we must then stand before him and give an accounting of all our talents and how we improved our time while on, our, on the mortal journey. Then finally, there will be a great sorting out of the sheep and the goats. The difference between the sheep and goats is simple. How well did we serve our fellow men? With this, the Lord has concluded his public teaching. He now will be with the apostles and closest friends and family. So uh, anyway, that's the end of the chapter for today, and we will see you next time. Bye.